called, Mayor Lindsay has proclaimed today, Sunday, June 8, 1969, Mickey Mantle Day in New York City. or American League pennants. These pennants are emblematic of the 12 pennant winning teams on which Mickey Mantle played. And standing behind each of these pennants is a former teammate of Mickey's representing each of these championship teams. First, for Mickey's rookie season, 1951, when he hit his first 13 homers and played 40 games at Kansas City before returning to the stadium for keeps. His teammate, Steady Eddie Lopat. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Mickey had his first 300 plus season in 1952. Hit 23 home runs and his first two home runs in the World Series. Representing the 1952 World Champion Yankees, a member of five straight Yankee World Champions. Now, a Yankee scout, Gene Woodling. Mickey led the league in homers again 
this time with 42. The man who won more games than any Yankee in history. Set a World Series record of 33 consecutive scoreless innings among his many notable feats. and scored an all-time record of 55 runs in the World Series, yet lost to the Pirates. Mickey hit 400 in that series with three homers and 11 RBIs. Representing that 1960 club was the second baseman who set a series record with six RBIs in one game and 12 for the series, Bobby Richardson. was the year of the home run at Yankee Stadium and that exciting race at Babe Ruth's crowd. Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris alternately led in the race with Roger eventually setting the new record of 61. Mickey, Mickey that year hit a career high of 54. Leading the team in hitting that year with a 348 average and now back as first base coach of the Yankees Here's Elson Howard. As you'll recall, Mickey missed part of the 1962 season with injuries, but still batted a robust 321 with 30 home runs. That last Yankee World Championship club had the league's rookie of the year. Here's Tony Tresh. most of the 1963 season after his serious injury in Baltimore, but came back with that dramatic pinch homer here in the stadium after missing two full months of action. The young star was the Yankee first baseman and still is Joe Pepitone. to lead the Yankees to their 29th planet and last up to now. He hit 303 with 35 homers and 111 RBIs. And his three series homers against the Cardinals established the new World Series career home run record of 18. The series star that fall and pitching mainstay ever since, Mel Stottlemyre. Our guest of honor, here is the man who officiated at the three previous retirement ceremonies. And appropriately, he is here for this occasion. It is my pleasure to introduce the longtime voice of the Yankees, Mr. Mel Allen. Once again, 
out from the dugout. One of the all-time Yankee greats. The magnificent Yankees. The great number seven, Mickey Mantle. Thank you. 
most appropriately, here's his good friend and longtime teammate, Whitey Ford. We've had a lot of fun all these years playing baseball here at Yankee Stadium. It's my honor to thank you on behalf of your teammates for the many thrills you have given us. Those clutch hits, booming home runs, great catches, and an occasional strikeout.
great honor. I'll never forget it. God bless you all, and thank you very much. understanding and compassion guy uh, 
more so than people might even give him credit for, you know, and uh, baseball was starting to miss Mickey. Sports writer Frank DeFord. He was good looking, very hand strong, and hit home runs. The epitome of the slugger. ABC's Al Michaels. He just got it done, and it seemed as if he did it with a minimum of effort. And yet, uh, here was a guy who played uh, when you knew he was hurting and hurting very very much uh, with his his uh, well chronicled leg injuries and all of the rest fans are arriving at new york's yankee stadium now and there's going to be a moment of silence as they pay their respects to number seven Here 
that's fresh and true. Have it to a Coors Light and let the ice cold mountains come to you. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Stay tuned following Yankee Baseball. It's the Bob Grant Show right here on... with our producer-engineer Brian Ferguson and my Yankee compadre Michael Kay. This is John Sterling from Yankee Stadium. It is a beautiful Sunday afternoon. Touched with sadness for Yankee and baseball fans. The passing of Mickey Mantle in Dallas, Texas earlier this morning. The Yankees have met with the press. A tremendous amount of media are here to, to cover the story. And um, this was recorded not more than an hour ago, if that. These are the words uh, from Don Mattingly. This morning, thing, I was just kind of shocked today. I really didn't know it was, um, you know, talking, you know, serious, but not quite so, you know, quickly or anything. Um, but my thoughts are really with, uh, at this point, this family, and you wish, you know, blessings on our family and strength. And, uh, and I hope really that the kids out there and the people out there listen to the message that he gave on, uh, on Old Timer's Day. I think it was a positive message. It's something he wanted to get across. Uh, something he felt like um, he needed to say, and I think something that we need to listen to. The words of uh, Don Mattingly. You know, when you're a little boy, and you see things happen, and you're lucky like I was, born to a family, good family, and, and a very good life, you think they'll go on forever, and then you grow up and you find out that, well, nothing lasts forever. And... <laughs> I was born and brought up by my dad to be a Yankees fan. My hero is sitting to my right, Mel Allen. And uh, there was no greater star than Mickey Mantle. He inherited the torch from Ruth and Garrick and Tamaj. And, you know, you figured it would go on forever. Now I'm broadcasting the game, and I know it. It doesn't go on forever. And um, Mickey was very sick. He lived a heck of a life. When he was a Yankee, he was the greatest of stars. They won just about every year, as Mel Allen will tell us. And Mike, um, periods end. You, you know this. I lost my best friend a couple of years ago to leukemia. And uh, since I've been with the Yankees, I lost my sister and my dad. And uh, it's very tough to talk about uh, these things. That's what I think. You know, because you see your own mortality, and that's what I think today when so people mourn Mickey Mantle. I agree. I think a lot of people's youth died today, and a little bit of baseball died as well. Unfortunately, I never got to see Mickey Mantle when he was a great player. I saw him at the tail end of his career when I first became a, a baseball fan, but he's a superstar out of central casting, John. Blue eyes, blonde hair. I mean, a perfect superstar name, alliterative Mickey Mantle named after another ball player, and... Um, you know, just talking to the players that never saw him today, even the young guys, everybody seems a little bit shaken up. Buckshaw Walter said something very, very nice in the press conference the Yankees had. He said, what, what I try to convey to this team is that when they're young and they're at a, a, a function or they come out to the ballpark and they get cheered, they're getting cheered because of what Mickey Mantle, Joe DiMaggio, and Babe Ruth did before they established what the Yankees are all about. And at 2 o'clock this morning, the Yankees lost one of the pinstripes off their uniform, and uh, it's a very, very sad day. Well, it really is. And uh, now take us back to the happier times. Here is the voice of the Yankees, Mel Allen. Uh, Mel, I know that 1951 was a very unusual year because the Yankees and, and Giants traded 
spring training places that, that you went to Arizona for a year. Is that the first time you saw Mickey, or had you seen him come up to camp earlier than 1951? John, I had never seen Mickey Mantle before that spring training in 1951. We, naturally, we heard a lot about his exploits in Class D and C from the standpoint of being a young man with great power from both the right and left sides of the plate. He played shortstop but made a lot of errors, and a lot of them were throwing errors. He was so strong. Casey Stengel saw him for the first time, really saw him. Obviously, being manager of the team, he had heard about him as well as other minor leaguers who might become Yankee major leaguers. But when he saw him in spring training and in Phoenix, to me, I always remember Casey was always talked about as being so ungrammatical in his statements. He said, that boy hits balls over buildings. Well, he did. Batting lefty or righty, he hit them so far, his people's eyes bugged out. Here was a 19-year-old rookie, only played class D.C., and was a star of spring training. The Yankees wanted to farm him out to a higher minor league classification, but Casey insisted over uh, the negative feeling about that of the general manager then, George Weiss, but Casey persisted, and so Mickey opened the season with the Yankees. But he struck out so much. He had a lot, as most 19-year-olds do, a lot to learn in the direction of maturity, of becoming much more mature. And so they finally had to farm him out to AAA. He was inconsistent, but he still consistent. He still continued to strike out, and he got so angry at himself, and he, and he lost a lot of his optimism. And he called his father in Oklahoma and said, come get me. So his father drove over to Kansas City and packed his stuff, get in the car. They're on their way out, but a father knows his son. And he listened to Mickey. Mickey was down, depressed. The final line was, he said, Mick, don't worry about it. Since you were about five to six years old, your grandfather and I were hoping, as we tried to teach you to be a switch hitter and play ball, and you progressed so wonderfully that you would eventually become a major leaguer. But that's not the end of the world. If you feel you can't make it, come on home. You'll do other things. But I will say just one thing to you, Mick. I didn't think I raised a quitter. And that's hit Mickey like a ton of bricks. He said, turn the car around. Mickey had a temper. And he could get angry like that. He said, turn the car around. He did. He went back to Kansas City, and a few weeks later, he was back with the Yankees and played in the World Series. That's Mel Allen, and we'll talk more with Mel about Mickey Mantle in just a moment on Yankees pregame. This is New York Yankees baseball. staring you straight in the face. Remember last year when it seemed like the temperature never went under 90? 
all those hot, sweltering summer days. When your clothes stuck to you like a second skin. And those blistering summer nights. When falling asleep with something you'd only dream about. Don't let that ever happen again. There's never been a better time or place to pick up the air conditioner you want than right now at Nobody Beats the Wind. You'll find the area's best selection of the top name brands and air conditioners. Cool off with a carrier, GE, Dynasonic, Sharp, or Gold Star. And at Nobody Beats the Wiz, we'll install up to an 8,000 BTU air conditioner in a standard double-hung wood frame window, absolutely free. Don't wait until it's too late. Don't let the dawn days of summer make your life one big, miserable, sweaty mess. Keep your cool this summer with an air conditioner from Nobody Beats the Wiz. Hey, fans, come to the grand opening of the Sports Authority in Queens on August the 17th and register to win your very own private party for 14 people at Yankee Stadium. If you want the best in sportswear and equipment, stop by the Sports Authority at the corner of Northern Boulevard and 54th Street in Queens on August the 17th. Enter to win your own private super party in the WABC Radio Luxury Suite at Yankee Stadium or a pair of Yankee tickets and dinner in the Great Moments Room. No purchase necessary. So see you on August the 17th at the Sports Authority Grand Opening in Queens. We're here at the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum in Cooperstown talking to people as they visit the many exhibits. Hi, where are you from? Toledo, Ohio. Uh-huh. And uh, is this your first trip to the Hall of Fame? Yes, it is. What do you think about it? I thought it was marvelous. It's just filled with so much nostalgia and just the heart of baseball seems to live here. Come visit the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum in Cooperstown, New York. It's open daily, seven days a week, from 9 to 9. It's a memory you'll have forever. Jim Hightower, Saturday nights at 9, right here on Talk Radio 77. Well, he obviously be remembered as a very uh, a great player, the one of the greatest players to ever play in the history of the game uh, for the New York Yankees, the greatest franchise with the greatest logo. Uh, the lives that he touched as an innocent person, uh, Mickey portrayed the innocence of the blonde-haired, good-looking, uh, innocent-looking face that comes from Oklahoma. Uh, he, a lot of people attached to Mickey because of that and not uh, just because of his ability, uh, great ability to play baseball. That was Bobby Mercer. Mercer, I think, was harder hit than almost anyone, uh, Mike, because he you know, really it was such a good fellow Oklahoman and such a good friend of Mickey. And he spoke to Mickey right before Mickey went into the hospital for the last time, and they became very good friends. Remember, it was Mercer that was compared with Mickey Mantle when he came up. And he, told, he was supposed to be the next one, and he said, I never felt any pressure with that. He said, the pressure I felt was how Mickey Mantle would feel that this young guy would be compared with him. But uh, Mantle spoke at the um, the press conference just before we came on the air, and he really broke down. He couldn't he couldn't come to the mic for about two, three minutes before he composed himself. And you're right. I think he was hit hardest, John. Well, with the voice of the Yankees here, we played a cut that somehow Brian got of Mel's call of just an afternoon game in... The stadium, Griffith Stadium in Washington, when Mantle hit the longest home run probably ever hit. And I've asked Mel just to, just to give off the top of his head. It's very tough to ask someone this. Mel Allen did so many games, and after all, they're winning all the time. You know, the wins start to um, intertwine. Uh, I know. I listened to him, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and it was a pleasure. Anyway, I wanted Mel to give some of his remembrances of Mickey as a Yankee. You know, John, 
Yankees. He came up in 1951, and there was that stretch that the Yankees had of winning five consecutive pennants from 1949 through 1953. So Mickey was part of that in 51, 2, and 3. And the Yankees had won five consecutive world championships. Something that's never been be done before in a sense. The Yankees later won five consecutive pennants, but not five uh, consecutive world titles. There's a stretch where they won 14 pennants. batting right-handed. It was the old Griffith Stadium. They had a little football scoreboard atop to the left center field bleachers. A football scoreboard. So it wasn't a giant scoreboard. It was just a small wooden. And Mickey teed off, and I believe it was against Pedro Ramos, who later pitched for the Yankees as well. And that ball took off like a shot. That scoreboard, which floated somewhat. That time we had as a PR director, public relations director, a former Herald Tribune uh, sports reporter, Fred Patterson. He actually went out and checked the distance. We called it the real tape measure job. And he reported back there was a 565 footer slowed up a little bit by knocking off the piece of that football scoreboard. And that was the beginning of the tape measure home run. Yeah. Bell, thanks very much for coming on with us. Well, thank you very much. Uh, and I'd like to just say, may I just one more thing. Here at Yankee Stadium, he hit what might have been one of the longest home runs ever hit by anybody, with a possible exception, but in any way, including Babe Ruth. It was such a shot that the New York Times the next day imprinted over a shot of that mantle swinging, and they drew a white line over the foul line, and then the arc in, in white dashes, the arc of the flight of the ball, and before they uh, revised the uh, Yankee Stadium, the ball hit, roughly speaking, six to eight inches from the top of the overhang they had at that time. Maybe just about eight inches, and it was still taking off like a jet, so it might have gone well over 600 feet. But the ball hit so hard, it rebounded all the way, almost all the way back to the infield. But he was, uh, in essence, a guy who could run, batting left-handed to first base, 3.1 batting right-handed, 3.2. He learned to be an outfielder. Great speed helped him out in that direction. And he was just one of the most exciting ball players that ever lived. And I thank you for letting me be on. But it's strange that as you look back over the years, I met Babe Ruth. We had Babe Ruth day here in 47. Another one, 48, retired his number. Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig both passed away early from for medical reasons, and uh, and now Mickey. And that leaves only Joe and Joe. I thank you. Well, thanks. I wish time permitted for us to go through all the years of him. But thanks very much. You keep well, my friend.
We'll get back with more in just a moment on the pregame. This is New York Yankees baseball. I was a manager of the Yankees. It was because I was a human being, and, and 
you know, I think he would have conversed with other people just the way he did with me. But uh, I remember how up to date he was on our club and, and some of the problems I was going through and we were going through as a club and, and offering some insight to it. And uh, yeah, it was a special day. And I've always looked forward to him coming back here and being a part of this. And it's very sad that he's not going to be able to do that anymore. I think this spring training, you might have told me that you know you had thoughts of bringing all the great Yankees in next spring training, Mickey Mantle, and just to have the team know what it's like to win. I, I guess now you look at that and you're sorry it didn't happen one year sooner. Well, it's just like, you know, my dad passed away. I think about all the things I wish I'd gotten done. And, and uh, uh, I know I talked to Mickey about it and about coming in. He said if his health uh, allowed him to, he would. And uh, we were looking forward to that. And, uh, of course, it didn't work out. But uh, it's, it's just sad that our some of our younger players especially don't get a chance to, to really uh, take advantage of, of, of a guy like Mickey Mantle. He passed away this morning, and uh, there's almost two different personalities that you can remember. You can remember the guy who was sick for the cancer of the liver, or you can remember the great ball player with the great superstar name. How do you think he's going to be remembered, Bob? I think he's going to be, I think people identify with, with some of Mickey's frailties and some of the, the things that uh, that hampered him throughout his career, you know, whether it be some of the off-the-field problems he might have had and, and some of the uh, physical problems he had on the field. I think we all identify with that in the way that you know, he did take on that responsibility of being able to, to look in the mirror and uh, realize that it wasn't somebody else's fault. And, uh, now, I'm going to remember Mickey as a great player he was, but also the person who was able to look in the mirror and, and say, I, you know, it was, it was me. It wasn't somebody that forced me to, to be injured or, or to have some problems. And, and through it all, uh, you know, it never takes away from the fact of what a great Yankee he was. You think a little bit of the Yankees died this morning? Without a doubt, Mike. It, uh, it certainly, uh, you know, there's not many heroes left in this world. And, uh, Unfortunately, in our today's society, we, we make a habit out of trying to knock people off of their perches. And we're all human beings. We make mistakes, and we have we have uh, weaknesses. Uh, I do, you do, we all do, and, and Mickey had them. But uh, uh, it's sad for me to see sometimes how, how people go after heroes, and, and probably sometimes it's, it's warranted. But uh, as a part of uh, you know Yankee uh, history that, that died today, but I, I know that uh, in my heart and, and all the Yankee fans, it'll live on for for forever. Thank you, Bob. All right, thank you. That's the manager show. We'll be back with the lineup. Send them play-by-play of today's game against the Indians. This is New York Yankees baseball. New York Yankee baseball. The home of the Red. That, of course, was Merrill very much a Yankee and Yankee fan and sings the national anthem live at all important moments in Yankee history. This is a very sad moment as we pay tribute to Mickey Mantle and they will be paying tribute, Mike, on the scoreboard to Mickey Mantle now. And Buck Walter has his team on the top steps of the dugout. What they're doing is they're showing a montage of Mickey Mantle. The flags here at Yankee Stadium are all at half staff. The crowd remains on its feet, and you could sense it didn't have the feel of a ballpark today. It had a feel of a very somber occasion. Met a couple of people outside that said, we're still mad at baseball, but we came here to pay our respects to Mickey Mantle. What a great legend passes on, and you can't be where he is 
go to where you remember him most. And that's here at Yankee Stadium. And people right now are remembering the good things about Mickey Mantle. And while they show this video montage, we'll listen to this cut from Mickey Mantle's day that he had here at Yankee Stadium when they retired number seven. Why don't we listen to the voice of the late Mickey Mantle? When I walked into this stadium 18 years ago, I felt much the same way I do right now. I don't have words to describe how I felt then or how I feel now. But I'll tell you one thing, baseball was real good to me. And playing 18 years in the Yankee Stadium for you folks is the best thing that could ever happen to a ball player. that on this day that Mickey Mantle left us, we remember him as the great ball player that he was, the superstar. Was there ever a better baseball name than Mickey Mantle? Named for his, by his dad, for Mickey Cochran, the catcher, who was his idol, and trained from the very first time he could walk to be a ball player. He became a Yankee, and he became another in the long list of great Yankees that started with Ruth, Gehrig, DiMaggio, and then Mantle. And the name is certainly synonymous with the Yankees, and I think it will always be. If we're still here 30 years from now, Mickey Mantle will be a Yankee, and the Yankees will be Mickey Mantle. Now we're going to listen to Mickey Mantle and the last press conference he had right before the All-Star break in Arlington. Listen to Mickey again. I would like to say to the kids out there to take a good, you talk about a role model, this is a role model. Don't be like me. Even in his tough time, Mickey Mantle trying to send across a message. And the crowd now watching tape of him on that Mickey Mantle day where you just heard the cut. One thing I'll remember, John, is during Old Timers Day when you were up here and I was down in the dugout and they played the tape of Mickey Mantle that he gave a little clip that he sent to Yankee Stadium because he couldn't be here. Mm. And he said... I really hope I can be there next year. Well, he won't be able to be here next year, unfortunately, but I'm sure he'll always be here in spirit. Well, that's absolutely true. And uh, the Mantle did something else very important. I listened to the radio today driving in and news stations, of course, covering and the passing of Mickey Mantle. As you know, he was a given a liver from a donor program, and he is probably close more attention to donor programs than any other human being. He has done a tremendous amount in his passing for donor programs throughout the country. The, um, the spot that he cut for Yankee Old Timers Day just a few weeks ago we have on tape now. I said one time I didn't know how Lou Gehrig could stand here at home plate in the Yankee Stadium and say that he was the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Now I think I know how he felt. I always said when I died, or I told one guy this, a, a sports writer, when I died, I wanted on my tombstone a great teammate, but I didn't want it this soon. To all my little teammates out there, please don't do drugs and alcohol. God only gave us one body, and keep it healthy, because you really need it. If you want to do something great, be an organ donor. Thanks again. I'll see you all next year, man. Hope. Oh. Bye. Now, 
never forget the old-timers on the dugout steps when I was playing. They were totally enraptured, so was the crowd. And the crowd now with a number seven jersey, which is superimposed on the Diamond Vision, and on the scoreboard, a number seven where it says, with us forever. He certainly is. We'll be back after this with a more mundane matter of the game. This is New York Yankees baseball. So this is not as serious as it could have been. Meanwhile, the tarp is, as you can see over my shoulder, being removed here at Jacobs Field. So things look good for Yankees and Indians baseball tonight on MSG. But while we have this opportunity, another look at our recent presentation of Mickey Mantle, a magnificent Yankee. away at the age of 40 and so the powerful country boy from Oklahoma was determined to live life to its fullest on the field he would become one of the greatest players of all time renowned for his power from both sides of the plate he popularized the tape measure home run including a 565 foot shot in Washington in 1953 he was a player who was idolized by millions off the field Mickey was one of the most liked players in the locker room Soon after his arrival in New York, he began a long-lasting friendship with the late Billy Martin. Mickey, Billy, Whitey Ford, and Hank Bauer became a tight-knit group. And only in revelations by Mickey in the last two years have people who worshipped him become aware of how much drinking he did. In those days, beer in the clubhouse was standard following a game. And oftentimes, that would precede some long nights out on the town. I know we, we did a few things, but boy, it's really been blown up in the last few months. And I remember, you know, I'm saying, how could Mickey play 20, over 2,000 more games than any Yankee in history ever played, play as well as he did? And he made sure that I, I mean, I made sure that if I was pitching the next day, I was in early. And, and a lot of that was really overblown. Sure, we'd pick our spots. We'd go on the road Mondays off with a Tuesday night game. We might have a little fun Sunday night, but uh, it was so overblown. And there's no way that... Uh, Mickey could have played the way he did, you know, 18 years and, you know, do the things that they thought he did. But Mickey finally faced his drinking problem head on. He entered the Betty Ford Clinic for treatment in 1993. But the changes came too late to reverse the damage he had done to his liver. In June, he underwent a liver transplant to stay alive. There is 
no doubt that his lifestyle has played a factor um, in his condition today. I think it's uh, very important for people to take a look at this and realize what uh, effect lifestyle can have on someone and um, hopefully this will um, let people reconsider lifestyle. In mid-July, the always upbeat Mickey Mantle, ready to leave the hospital, offered a warning to so many of his young fans. I would like to say to the kids out there, to take a good, you talk about a role model, this is a role model, don't be like me, you know? I mean, God gave me a body, ability to play baseball, and that's what I wanted to do. Give me everything, and I just... The outpouring of love and affection for Mickey was overwhelming, and he tried to use that as a way to do something meaningful in his final days. I'd like to again thank everyone for all your thoughts and prayers. You've been great. And if you'd like to do something really great, be a donor. Mickey went back in the hospital July 28th, and then too quickly, he was gone. The man who was a hero to so many remained that way to the very end. Mr. Mail, as you know, died this morning at 1.10 a.m. Central Time. Uh, I was there shortly afterwards and pronounced him dead. I've known him only for around three months when he first came in, and during that time, it's been a, a privilege to care for him, and uh, he, uh, throughout his entire illness, proved to be a remarkable uh, man and patient. The only thing he said to me when I told him that we weren't going to be able to save him was thank you. And when I offered him to, to try to guess how much time he had, he said he didn't want to know. He just wanted to take one day at a time. Mickey's funeral brought together his best friends and teammates and thousands of fans of all ages, many of whom had only heard or read about Mickey's exploits. It was a chance to remember a special player in a special time. In a very different time than today, the first baseball commissioner, Kennesaw Mountain Landis, said, Every boy builds a shrine to some baseball hero, and before that shrine, a candle always burns. For a huge portion of my generation, Mickey Mantle was that baseball hero. And for reasons that no statistics, no dry recitation of facts can possibly capture, he was the most compelling baseball hero of our lifetime. And he was our symbol of baseball at a time when the game meant something to us that perhaps it no longer does. When we come back, a look at one of the great careers in the history of sports. I want to know about meeting that special someone. Sorry, can't help you there. I want to know more about a diet I can live with. No way, not in this commercial. I want to know more about Rogaine. Rogaine with minoxidil? Yeah! Anybody else? Yeah! Okay, just call this number now for a free information kit on Rogaine Topical Solution. It could help answer your questions because it's filled with all kinds of facts about Rogaine. And because you need a prescription to get Rogaine, we'll send you a list of local doctors and special money-saving offers to help you decide if Rogaine is right for you. But I want to know right now. We'll mail it to you today. So what are you waiting for? Call now for your free information kit. Call 1-800-432-1080.
born in Commerce, Oklahoma, a small mining town in the northeast corner of the state. He grew up in this house, a poor country boy who was destined to be a star. His father named him after Mickey Cochran, the great athletics catcher of the 20s and 30s. The elder Mantle, known as Mutt, worked as a miner. He was a baseball fanatic and spent hours every day working with young Mickey, teaching him to play and teaching him how to switch hit. The Yankees signed Mickey in 1948, and by spring training of 1951, he was a 19-year-old phenom. The Yanks thought so much of him, they followed the numbers 3, 4, and 5 of Ruth Gehrig and DiMaggio by giving him number 6. But in mid-July, a struggling Mickey was sent to the minors, where he called his father and said he wanted to quit. Mutt Mantle found the right words to change his son's mind. Then he says, uh, the one that got me, he said, I thought I raised a man. He said, you ain't no man, you're, you're a coward. And he's packing my clothes, and finally I, uh, he's crying, you know, and I started crying. He told me, he said, uh, I'll give you more. I ta finally talked him into letting me have one more chance, and after that I started hitting. Mickey's stay in the minors didn't last long. He was back with the Yankees in August and given number seven. He was the heir apparent to Joe DiMaggio as the Yanks' center fielder and started the 51 World Series in right. But in game two, he stepped in an outfield drain and tore up his knee, the first of numerous injuries that hampered him throughout his career. As great as the Mick was, one can only imagine how much better he would have been and what records he would have set had he been injury-free. Many people believe he would have been the greatest player of all time, even better than Joe DiMaggio, Lou Gehrig, or Babe Ruth. Mickey was only 24 years old when in 1956 he won the Triple Crown with a 353 batting average, 52 home runs, and 130 RBIs. He played on 12 pennant winners in his first 14 years with the Yankees, seven world champions. But one team stood out as the best. I really believe the year that Roger hit the 61 home runs in 1961, that was the best team I ever played on. Everybody asks about the pressure of that year. Me and Roger going for the uh, home run, uh, Babe Ruth's record. Uh, Kubek, Richardson, Boyer, uh, all the guys, Yogi, Whitey, everybody, they would take pressure off of us. You know, like we'd come into the clubhouse uh, on the road or something, you know, and everybody would say, hey, what did the M&M boys do yesterday, you know, instead of, you know, like holding back or, you know, being quiet about it. They, they, they brought it right out in the open, you know, and they, they was kidding us all the time, you know, and I think it, that's one of the things that really helped Roger make it. Many people believe Mickey might have broken Babe Ruth's record as well had he not gotten hurt in September. He was unquestionably one of the great power hitters the game has ever known. He ranks eighth on the all-time home run list, one of only seven players to hit 54 or more home runs in a season. He led the American League four times, and from 1955 through 1961, averaged 41 home runs per season. He's one of 14 members of the exclusive 500 Home Run Club, having reached that milestone on May 13, 1967, at Yankee Stadium. the payoff pitch.
career statistics put him in the Hall of Fame in 1974, in his first year of eligibility. At that time, only the seventh player to make it in his first try. His 2,401 games played is a Yankees record. Three times he won MVP honors, the last time in 1962, despite playing only 123 games, and 16 times he played in the All-Star game. As great as Mickey was in the regular season, he was at his best in the World Series. And when his number was retired in 1969, it was an honor well-deserved. One of the all-time Yankee greats, the magnificent Yankee, the great number seven, Mickey Mantle. To think that the Yankees are retiring my number seven with numbers three, four, and five. Tops off everything that I could ever wish for. I've often wondered how a, a man who knew he was going to die could stand here and say that he was the luckiest man in the world. But now I think I know how Lou Gehrig felt. on Mickey Mantle, a magnificent Yankee, Gus Johnson talks with longtime Mantle teammate Tony Kubek. September kicks off a fall season of big-time sports action on MSG Network. The New York Yankees try to keep things rolling as they make a bid for postseason play. They take on the Toronto Blue Jays, the Detroit Tigers, and the tough Milwaukee Brewers. New York Rangers hockey returns to MSG. Don't miss all the action as the Broadway Blues kick off preseason action against the Devils, Islanders, and Penguins. Tune in before most Yankees games to get the lowdown on all the Bomber pregame news with features, matchups, and much more. Al Trotwick hosts AT&T Yankee Scorecard. Giants fans can catch all the news on this year's Big Blue Wrecking Crew with team news, features, and highlights on Giants Today. Grab your shades and catch the coastline craze from beautiful locations all over the country. It's the ABB Pro Beach Volleyball Tour. Today's hard-hitting sports issues are the hot topic every month as Bob Page hosts Page One. Plus, you can always catch all the scores and stories every night on MSG Sports Desk. Touch of all with all the great September sports action on MSG Network, the best in the game. Christina, what's going on? Bob, where have you been? We've been trying to reach you. We expanded the show a half an hour and moved it to 10.30. It's a mushroom treatment for me as usual around this place, pal. They never tell me anything. Well, Tony, for nine years you played with Mickey Mantle. Um, and you saw him when you were a rookie, when you came up. And uh, he's passed away, and he was a very good friend of yours. How's it been for you so far? I mean, well, it was kind of rough, uh, especially the day after. There were so many of his friends and fans and teammates were down in Dallas for the Knicks funeral. And uh, you kind of get caught up in all seeing people and, and doing the body and talking to Merle and his wife and the, the three remaining boys, the male boys. And then all of a sudden you go home the day after, and you feel this void, this great loss. And not just necessarily just for a great ball player. He just had this awesome talent and records itself. But the person who we got to know, uh, who was so caring of his teammates and so respectful of the game of baseball. It took so many young players under his wing. So there's a, uh, I think you feel a loss afterwards. And I, unfortunately, I've spoke, uh, spoken to Mick, uh, as had my wife Margaret, over the last few weeks. And uh, heading down, uh, hopefully, to... Uh, to see him one more time, like a lot of the guys did, Whitey and Moose and Bobby and Hank Bauer and Blanchard, et cetera, et cetera. And it was too late because it happened so fast at the end, so uh, it, it's a real loss. But Mickey always said, he said, I'm a tombstone. He said, I want one thing. I was a good teammate. 
And Merlin said he would put something like that. He was a perfect teammate, is what he was. Perfect. In terms of the battle that Mickey fought his entire life with the, uh, the alcohol and whatnot, when did it start? Did you see it when you were there? Well, I, I think a lot of people went out and had casual drinks with Mickey, including myself. Uh, and, and Mickey was such a strong individual that I don't think it really hit him like it might have other guys. As he said to me on the telephone, uh, uh, he said, I, I was stupid for 40, 41 years when I did it. And I, nobody knows why. I consider it a disease. Uh, he battled a disease in the last year or so. He was, he was completely alcohol-free and drank a diet soda on occasion. And, and so he beat it, and he, he died, I think, very comfortably because of it. Did we see it? Uh, I think we were stupid if we didn't. And I told Mickey one time, because uh, we stayed in the same hotel when I was working for MSG in New York, which I saw him a lot over the last five years going into last year. And I said, Mickey, I don't know how many times I wanted to tell you to stop. And he said, Tony, it wouldn't have done any good. It wouldn't have done any good. He said, I wouldn't listen to you. He said, I learned myself. And Pat Summerall got involved. And Bobby Cox, who was a teammate of Mickey's and now managing Atlanta, got involved. Uh, but, but it was not unusual. Ryan Duran, who was one of our relief pitchers, is a, a, a substance abuse counselor now. And, and Ryan, and he said it was just the time. He said there may be some drugs now, maybe steroids and stuff like that in sports. He said, but beer and booze was was the, was, the, was the choice, the poor choice that a lot of people made. So everybody did it. You sat in the clubhouse sometimes, and some of the guys just preferred to the crowd to just drink all the beer that was there. And uh, and Mickey admitted he was he was not very careful with himself. But uh, I think he, I, I think the way he approached it at the end. And, and talked about his feet of clay, and that's another one of the attractions I think he has to people. He, he, he wasn't perfect, and he, he, he told, sometimes he maybe told too much. He blasted himself for drinking too much. And he even said he wasn't a good family man, and we used to tell him, Mickey, you're a ball player, we're all that way. And wives raised the kids, because we're gone pretty much for seven, eight months of the year.